We're uh, working our way through the book of John by looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And uh, we're in the sixth week, uh, excuse me, where we're looking at I Am the Vine. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Jordan last week while we were out of town for him filling in and heard it was an awesome, awesome Sunday. I hated to miss it, but uh, thanks, thanks for filling in and for, uh, I heard uh, just a great time of worship, so thank you for that. Um, before we jump in, uh, quick thing, I, I, I'm pretty excited about, it's kind of an awkward transition, I know, but we've been awkward transitioning all service, so why not continue, <laughs> you know, this whole in the sermon. Anyway, uh, I'm pretty excited about this, we're going to talk about it next, next week, but um, whenever I get excited about something, I can hardly wait, like, Whenever Mary Jo and I, whenever I asked her to marry me, I had a, a Friday night all planned out, like going out, and then I was going to, you know, ask her to marry me, give the ring. Well, the ring came in early on Monday, and I couldn't wait, so we just went, and I asked her that night. And so, like, when I get excited about something, I can't hardly wait. So that's, that's, that's what I'm doing here. That's why it's so, so awkward. We're going to do a thing in, in a few weeks, uh, pretty much all the month of June, called Pray 1212. All right, and, and uh, what that is is our church started December 2012. So 12, 12, and here's what we're going to be asking you to do: to join as a church every day at 12, 12. Now there's two 12, 12s. One of them I haven't seen since college, but the other, the other 12, 12 um, is is at, on probably on your lunch time. Um, but if you work nights and, and you're up at midnight, um, either either time, either 12, 12 at lunch or 12, 12 at night, we're just asking you to join with us and pray every single day for our church. And I'm going to explain why here in just a second. But to kick that off, uh, June 5th, we're going to start a series. It's, we have this week and then two more Sundays where we're going to be looking at the I Am Statements of Jesus. And then um, we're going to go into a series on prayer. And then that's going to usher in a series on outreach. And we're going to be, so we're going to be doing outreach. And I'm going to be talking more about that. Uh, during that series on prayer. But well, I want to uh, just kind of, as we prepare to reach in a very strategic way our neighbors and our, our circles of influence, I want to I usher that in by, as a church, praying that God would, would grant his favor on, the, on, on our words as we reach our, our neighbors and our circles of influence. Also, that we would be praying for our building. We've been talking about that a lot. There's indecision, not indecision like we can't make a decision, but we just don't know what God's leading is. We don't know what, what his will for us is as far as uh, adding on, what to add on, those sorts of things. So we want to be praying for that as well, and just the church in general. And so June 5th, we're going to start that series on prayer. On June 10th, that's that Friday afterwards, at 6.30 p.m. until 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, the, uh, June the 11th. We're going we're gonna to have 24 hours straight of reading God's Word and praying here at the church. And so we're going to have, for, in 30-minute increments, we're going to have 48 slots that we're going to ask you to fill. So you're, somebody says, hey, I, I love being up in the middle of the night. You know, bless you, I'm not. But, uh, you know, if you love being up in the middle of the night, you're like, hey, I'll, I'll sign up from 3 to 3.30 a.m. And I'll come up to the church and I'll read God's Word. And our, our, we're going to hopefully get through all of the New Testament. And then we're going to have... Um, some, some prayer requests, specific ones, that we're going to ask you to pray through in your 30 minutes. And then somebody else is going to come at 3.30. 
And they're going to pick up the, ba- the, the, the baton where you left off. And they're going to pray and read God's word for 30 minutes until 4 a.m. And then so on and so forth for 24 hours from 6.30 p.m. on Friday, June 10th, until 6.30 p.m. Saturday, June 11th. And then at 6.30 on that Saturday night, we're going to invite everybody in, whether you were a part of it, could be a part of it or not. We're going to have a night of worship kind of ushering in that series or that, that season of prayer in our church as we seek this, this strategic time of outreach um, smack. I mean, we're going to have all this, this stuff. And, and, and also, God's leading and direction for us in the coming months and even years. And then that's going to continue for four weeks. I put from June 5th until July 2nd, every day at 12 12. We're going to pull out our phones and put it in, in there, um, you know, on one Sunday, every day at 12 12. Whichever time you're up, you, you'll just take about five minutes on your lunch break and pray for our church. And so that's what we're going to be doing. I'm so excited about it. And that's going to be after this series, after the I Am series, we're going to be ushering that in, uh, praying that God will work in a very uh, strategic and real way in our church uh, over over the coming months and years. All right? I'm plum excited about it. I cannot wait. And uh, that's going to be starting here in just in just a few weeks. And we'll be talking about it every single week until then. And then June 5th, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll start a series. And that, that day is when we'll start praying for our church every day at 1212. Uh, for about five minutes, so that'll be coming. All right, let's pray, and we're going to look at I Am the Vine. Father, this morning as we uh, look at your word and uh, your claim to be the vine where true life is found, Lord, I pray that we would learn from it and we'd be changed by it for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be, we're going to be in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And if you remember, over the last six weeks, we have been looking at these statements, these I am statements. I am the divine. I am uh, the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've been looking at all of these statements. And if you remember, the reason that we're doing it, the purpose of this series, is so that we would know Jesus for who he really is. Uh, if you remember, at the, as I introduced this series a month and a half ago, I, I said, a lot of us, we come to church and we know we've come to church all of our lives and it's just part of our routine and we know about God. We know about Jesus. We know about his statements. We know about his sayings. But, but for, for many of us, not, for, not in here, but many in our culture, hopefully not in here, but many in our culture, we know about him, but we have never met him. We don't know him for who he is. And these, these statements, I am the vine, I am the bread of life, it, it gives us a glimpse on some level of who Jesus really is. I mean, knowing him personally, knowing him intimately, allowing him to come into our, our lives and change us, mold us into his image a little bit more every day. And so that's the purpose of this series. That's the reason that we're doing it. So that we would be, we would meet him and then be changed by him. And so this morning, as we jump in to, to John chapter 15, Jesus is going to claim something else. I am the vine. Now, when Jesus says this, let me kind of set the context. Um, Jesus is in the last 24 hours of his life. I mean, this is, this is he's, he's about to go to the cross. This is a very weighty time. And so there's a lot of things on Jesus' mind. He's thinking about these disciples. 
that he has loved, that he has poured into for three years. I mean, he's, he's thinking about them, how much he loves them, how much he's seen them transformed. By his teaching and by his miracles. And so they're on his heart, they're on his mind, these 11 disciples. Also, his father is on his mind. I mean, his, his ultimate plan is just beginning to unfold. And in the next 24 hours, it's going to speed up as he heads to the cross. And so his father and his father's perfect plan and how Jesus fits into that plan is on his mind as well. But lastly, there's a, a man named Judas. He's the betrayer. And I, I'm certain that Judas is also on Jesus' mind. Judas, at this point, has already left the, the group. Jesus has offered his love, and that love and that forgiveness and that, that life transformation has been rejected by Judas. Judas wants to be his own boss. He's left, and this has grieved Jesus. And no doubt, Judas is also on Jesus' mind as well. As he says, I am the vine. Now, this, this metaphor that Jesus uses is not new. It's used all throughout the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, Israel is the vine in the metaphor. And if you read through the Old Testament, it's always used in a negative form. When it, when, it, when it talks about the vine, it's always used negatively. And that's because uh, uh, Israel would always, they, they never produce the fruit that we're going to look at that Jesus says can be found if, you will, if, if the branch will plug into the vine, plug into him. And so all throughout the Old Testament, it talks about Israel being the vine, but it always dies. It never produces fruit. It never bears fruit because it cannot please God. Their, their actions never measured up to the, to the level or to the perfection that God demands. And so the, the uh, disciples know this. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, they're thinking back to the Old Testament and going, well, no, Israel was the vine. And Israel never produced the fruit. But Jesus must be able to produce the fruit that Israel was never able to produce. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he uses this metaphor of the vine. And here's what Jesus says as we walk through it. He says this in verse 1. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus starts off this metaphor, and he says this. Every person, all six billion plus people that are walking this earth right now, in this metaphor is a branch. And there are some that do not produce fruit, and they don't know me. They don't have a relationship with me. And we're going to find out that, that those are cut off because they, are not, they haven't found their life in Christ. And so every person is a branch. There are some that produce no fruit because they don't know Christ. They're not plugged into the vine. But there's other branches as well in this metaphor. And Jesus says those are the branches that produce fruit. And what does Jesus say that he does to those branches that, he, that are producing fruit? Well, he prunes them. Why does he prune them? Well, he tells us. So that they may bear more fruit. Well, what in the world is Jesus talking about? I and mean, what's this idea of fruit that he's talking about, this metaphor? 
Does it mean that you're going to have, he promises a good career and a good paying job and, and, and graduating from college or, or whatever it is you're pursuing, a trade school? Is that what he's promising? No, obviously not. But Galatians 5, 23-23 gives us a hint at this fruit that Jesus is referring to. And here's what it says. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, another, another metaphor that, that is used in the Scriptures, the fruit of the Spirit. And notice that it's not plural, it's singular. Now he's going to list nine things, but it's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And that's exactly what Jesus is referring to when he says that those who know me, who are plugged into me, branches that are bearing fruit, they're bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why in the world would Jesus use the the singular form of, 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 uh, of language here if he lists nine things? Well, here's why. As believers... All of these things are connected. If you know Christ, all of these things are connected. I mean, whenever I am not patient with my kids, I am not showing love to them. I am definitely not showing self-control. But when I love them and and, and my life is producing love, then patience flows out of that. Self-control and gentleness and faithfulness, they're all connected. If I'm faithful, if I'm being faithful day after day after day, Guess what that's producing? That's producing love, joy, peace. And so all of these, all of these um, fruit, all of this fruit is connected to one another. Therefore, it's one fruit. Now, here's the thing. Whenever I read this list, nobody in here, myself included, none of us said, you know what, I'm knocking it out of the park. I mean, patient, I, I am the epitome of patience. Nobody says that. I mean, love, joy. I am joyful all the time. Nobody in here is saying, you know what? I got this nailed down. I, I have it. Master. Nobody's saying that. But by God's grace, we are, we are looking more like love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. We're looking more like that today than we did yesterday. And by God's grace, we'll we'll have more patience and kindness and gentleness tomorrow than we do today. So every time that I stand up here, I say, God, uh, I pray that you would transform us a little bit more into your image every day. I I pray that we look more like you today than we did yesterday. And we'll look more like you tomorrow than we do today. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That, That you would produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, how does God do that? He prunes us back. He prunes us back. The two times in my life that I have been pruned the most, that it's been most evident, the the two times was was first whenever I got married. I mean, I showed up at the altar June, uh, excuse me, July 23rd. Man, don't tell Mary Jo. July 23rd, 2005. 
And I thought I was I was patience personified. I mean, I had it mastered. I had lived by myself and never gotten an argument by myself before. I mean, I had this thing mastered. I, I, I was, if you couldn't get along with me, you couldn't get along with anybody, I thought. And I showed up at the altar, and it rocked my world. I was not nearly as patient as I thought I was. I wasn't nearly as kind, as gentle as I thought I would. And God used Mary Jo as an instrument to prune me back, to make me, to, to sift me more into his image. He used the person that I devoted my life to here on earth uh, above everybody else. He used her to prune me back so that I would look more like Jesus at the end of my life than I did when I walked down the aisle in 2005. Second time was whenever I took my first church out of, out of seminary. And many of you have heard this story, but I, I walked into a very difficult situation. And, and it was stressful. I mean, I, 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 I was stressed constantly because of the work environment that I was in. And, and at the time, I, I just was... I was stressed out, and I was taking it out on my, my newborn baby and, and my, my wife and everybody, but the people that I probably should have been taking it out on. But looking back, you know, God was using that time to prune me back so that, that I would produce more love and joy and peace, patience. I, re I remember sitting at my desk and my boss walking in and just chewing me out for something that I did not even have control over. And I, I remember lashing out and then thinking, ha having to go back, even though I was wrong, having to go back to that person and tell him I was sorry for lashing out at him. That was producing love and joy and peace and patience. This morning, if you're in the middle of a difficult season, if you're, if you're being pruned back, it's not because you've, You've necessarily sinned. It's not because God dislikes you. No, he's, he's pruning you back. He's bringing you through a difficult season of life so that it, the result would be, by his grace, you would be producing more fruit of the Spirit. That is only found when you're connected to the vine, Jesus says. Verse 3, he continues. Already... You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's my favorite verse in all of this. Here's why. Jesus says, and remember, he's talking to the disciples, and he says that you are clean because you are very good at keeping the rules. No, that's not what it says. He says, no, you're, you are clean. Jesus declares that these disciples, <clears throat> these 11 disciples are clean because they have been spoken the word by Jesus, and then they have believed it. They believed the word that Jesus spoke. <clears throat> Here's the reason that I love this verse so much. Less than 24 hours from now, less than 24 hours from now, these guys are going to deny Jesus. I mean, the, the, the biggest loudmouth of all of them is going to tell a little girl by cursing that he doesn't know Jesus. He's going he's gonna to curse this little girl out and say, I never knew the man. Why do you keep saying that I'm a follower of him? I never knew him. Less than 24 hours from this declaration, that's going to take place. And yet Jesus said, because they have believed the word, they are clean. Not because they kept the rules. Not because they never denied Christ. Not because they never ran away. 
Because all of them did. And yet, because they believed the word spoken, and they trusted it, they were declared clean by the Savior of the world, by His grace. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. You just stay connected to me. You, you are connected to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Stay connected to me. Abide in me. Know me. Know my word. I am the vine. Verse 5. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith, this idea of abiding. And, and I think there's two, two specific ways that this is fleshed out. In this text, number one is this. This idea of abiding is fleshed out by, by um, this, this idea that, that your, um, your, your sin is placed on Jesus and his righteousness is placed on you. So that when Christ, when God the Father looks down on you, if you know Christ, his, he sees only Christ's righteousness when he sees you. That's part of the, the, the mystery of the Christian faith, this mystery of abiding. That, that Christ's righteousness is given to us who know Christ, and our sin is placed on Jesus and defeated once and for all. So the Father sees Christ's righteousness when he looks at me and when he looks at you, if you know Christ. But not, not only that, another mystery is this, that God does not only put up with us, but he actually delights in us. When I was a teenager, I used to always think, you know what, I mess up over and over and over again. But I, I, in 10 years, when I've got myself together, Jesus is going to, to finally be able to put up with me a little bit. And yet this idea of abiding throws that idea and that theology out. It, it's not true. Jesus not only puts up with us, but he delights in us. Now, it makes sense that we do this. I mean, it makes sense that we would believe this. Why? Because we think that somebody that we, we have offended would be mad at us. I mean, if, if, think about this. Go back to high school, and, and you were dating somebody. It, whenever you broke up, you tried to stay away from that person. I mean, I, I, as a teen, as a youth pastor, I mean, guys used to all come to church for about six months. And then they would break up with a girl that, that regularly went to our church, and we'd never see him again. Why? He wanted to stay away because he, he felt like he had offended her. And he doesn't want to um, uh, have a relationship. He, he wants to stay away from somebody. You wanna, we naturally want to stay away from people that we feel like we've offended. And so it's natural to project that onto God when we sin. The natural tendency is to feel like we've offended God, and we have 
But we can't pay for that offense. Jesus did that for us. Therefore, God delights in us. We don't have to worry about him loving a better version of us 10 years down the road. We don't have to worry about the, the, this offense and, 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 and being scared to come into God's presence. Because Jesus has done that on our behalf. Now you may, may, may be saying, okay, that means I can do anything I want. We're going to look at that here in just a second. But this idea that God delights in us, he loves us, he wants to have a relationship with us, and when we fall short, he, he, he invites us into his presence, and he continues to delight in us, because he does not see us in our sin. He sees Christ's perfection placed on us, and our sins have been washed away, taken by Jesus and washed away. It's one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. And yet we know that it's true. He continues in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, we read this text that we go, okay, we keep the commandments, then we abide in his love. But that's actually not a very good translation. The, the translation should go more like this. We abide in his love. We, we hang out in his love. We marinate over time in his love. And the outflow of that is that we keep his commandments. We, we hang out in his love. We marinate there. We, we, we are pruned back over day after day after day. And then the result is we keep his commandments. I regularly do premarital counseling. And one thing that I always come across is one person. I, I hate to, to use one example because either the, the wife or the husband has to be the bad guy. I've been in both situations. Sometimes it's the husband. Sometimes it's the wife. This, situ this example, um, I'll, I'll just use the husband, all right? It's just, you know, less collateral damage if I use the guy. <laughs> the guy will show up in, in premarital counseling, and the, the soon-to-be wife will say he has some sort of bad habit. Just name the bad habit in your mind. I'm not going to. He has some sort of bad habit. And she will say... I'm not getting married until this is off the table, whatever that habit is. And I'll say, okay, I understand. I actually think it's wise that you have that demand. But then I'll turn to the husband and, I, and I'll say, you, you understand what she's saying? This has happened multiple times. He'll say yes. And then I'll turn back to the wife and I'll say, here's the problem though. If he stops doing that habit because of you, after the wedding, he's going to resent you for it. He's going to resent you for it. He, let's just say it's, it's smoking. Just a, a general, generic thing. He smokes and she doesn't like it. He's going to stop smoking until the wedding. But after the wedding, he's going to continue to not smoke for a time. But he's going to eventually hate you because the only reason that he doesn't get to smoke is because of you. Because you're a pain in his neck. So I'll turn back to the husband and I'll say, here's the thing, though. 
If you will allow your love for your wife or your future wife to drive that, you're not going to stop smoking because you're scared she's going to fall off the wedding or she's going to break up with you. But you're going to stop smoking because your love for her grows a little bit more every day. And the natural result of that, the natural result of that love, the natural result of that relationship that is growing and, that, and is flourishing is that you stop smoking, then you will never resent her for, stop, for not smoking because it's a natural result of the love that has grown over time. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Your love for me grows and grows and grows and grows over time. Days, weeks, months, years. And the result of that love, the result of that is that you keep his commandments. If we switch that around, we are not in orthodox Christianity anymore. He closes it out by saying this, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you. Here's why Jesus is saying this. Here's why he's, he's encouraging us to, to abide, to plug into the vine. That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Joy is so different than happiness. Happiness comes and goes like the weather. But joy is found only when we're abiding in Christ. And it is uh, uh, transcends, it transcends the the, the difficulties of life, the ups and the downs of life. It allows us to know that we are found in Christ, that we are being uh, made and produced more into his image a little bit more every day. It's, it's joy is found in knowing that, that Christ loves us. He, he uh, doesn't just put up with us, but he adores us. He invites us to have a, a, an abiding relationship so that we can know him personally a little bit more Every day. That's the reason that God proves us, cuts us back, teaches us through the difficulties of this life, resulting in a life that has been transformed more into the image of God at the end of it than we were at the beginning. The result is fruit. And our joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Father, I, I love your, your, your word that you have not told us to do anything except for to just hang out in your presence to connect to you, to the vine. And, and as difficulties come, we know, Father, that it's just you pruning us back so that we would produce more and more and more of characteristics that reflect you, the one that we're connected to. And you're doing it all for our good. Father, only you can do that so that we would have joy, a joy that, that transcends the realities of this life. You're doing it all for our good. We thank you for that love this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.